Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hi, everybody. My name is Geert, and this, once again, is NBN's Drugs Addiction and Recovery podcast. Um, I'm excited to be, to be joined today from Medellin, Colombia, by Dr. Javier Guerrero. Uh, hi, Javier. Thanks so much for coming. Hi, Geert. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to, to the podcast. Hmm. Um, Javier published his research in 2020 with uh, Paul Grave Macmillan under the title uh, Narco Submarines, Outlaw Innovation and Maritime Interdiction in the War on Drugs. And it's, stu- it's studying criminal technology within its social ecosystem. Now, although the topic of your book perhaps is somewhat extravagant uh, in a first uh, sight, in a first view, you show in an excellent way, uh, I think, that the existence of narco submarines is only um, yeah, a symptom of the way the interaction between law enforcement and criminal organizations uh, works. Javier, um, before we get to the content of the of the book, could you maybe tell us a bit more about yourself professionally and what brought you to studying this this interplay between crime, law enforcement, and technological innovation? Well, um, I am a sociologist, basically, uh, and and then I moved to study, to do some science and technology studies. Uh, I, I went to Edinburgh and to do my master's uh, and then my PhD. I went there with a fairly idea of, fairly good idea of what I wanted to do um, to, to understand at that moment. A little bit innocent, I, I remember. Uh, uh, the, the way I started thinking about this, actually, I was working on trying to understand innovation in general in Colombia. Like I, I was trying to understand how how the system of innovation in Colombia works. And at that moment, I I, I remember it was like uh, by the end of the last decade, and and then I, I keep seeing this news about the the narcosops that they found in the Pacific or in the Caribbean. And I keep hearing about this and then was thinking like, okay, um, we are, the way I was thinking, like we are not a, a really uh, innovative country, uh, but then you find, and, and in this area, there's some people doing some things that at the moment seem to be pretty sophisticated. Then I find mm. out, well, they're not like that sophisticated but anyway the idea of a submarine to transport rock at that moment was like really interesting and then i would basically i just ask myself and, and my colleagues how do they build this stuff when where why who build this stuff so i started like trying to to understand as much as i can the phenomenon of 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 drug dealing and using narcosops and other technologies. So basically, I, I started from there. Started from from moving from from the kind of legal innovation, and then I moved completely to illegal kind of innovations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Um, and and I when I was reading your book, I, I found that fascinating indeed. There that there was this uh, 
this innovation, these innovation processes going on by, um, well, principally you're focusing on these private users or private groups uh, and also the law enforcement innovation. Um, and you, you did different kinds of fieldwork to understand more about this. Um, could you tell us a bit more about what you did in terms of empirical research? And, um, yeah. That. Yeah. Well, I, I started basically trying to read everything that was published about narcosops, and and I found out that uh, there wasn't really that much, uh, and it doesn't it wasn't really that much in in the sense of all technologies regarding drug modeling. Like at the moment, uh, it, it has changed a little bit, uh, but technologies in in drug trafficking tends to to be fairly in the background, like something that you use to transport drugs, but not really like an important topic of research. And, and, and that comes when people is transporting drugs, uh, um, moving drugs using airplanes or, or the so-called mules and all, all kinds of, of transport. So there, there wasn't a lot of, of information about it. Like, and that was also like really interesting for me at that moment, because there was a topic that wasn't the news international news, local news, regional news, but there wasn't like really people trying to understand what was happening with the phenomenon of, 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 of drugs modeling uh, regarding technology. So I began like trying to knock on doors of people I perceive at that moment that yeah, they might have some knowledge about this. So I went to the Colombian police, especially to the anti-narcotic police, um, and then I went to the Navy and I went to the justice uh, ministry uh, at the moment to try to talk to people. And also I tried to, at that moment, try to, to talk with drug smugglers. Like I, I tried to, to find out my way to talk with drug smugglers. Uh, I started like trying to find my way inside jails in Colombia. That was like I uh, catched. 22 kind of situations, so I couldn't talk to them, <laughs> but I was able finally to talk some with some retired drug smugglers in the north of Colombia, uh, in the in the region known as La Guajira. So I, I managed like moving some contacts. Like I start like asking to everybody, do you might know someone who is in the drug business? <laughs> and and you know like um, if, it, if the law of uh, um, no, Milgram kind of stuff, the small worlds. So, so yeah, I, I finally managed to, to find a, a cousin of mine who knew some people who might got be involved in the drugs business. And he actually introduced me some, to some people. And those people introduced me to some others that were actually like in the drug, drug business or were uh, during the 19th and, and the uh, last decade. So then, uh, the, the, because I also wanted to like to see both both sides of the uh, of the binary, as I call it in, in my book. I wanted to see obviously how drugs modelers produce their ideas, produce their innovations, um, and initially, I have to be honest, I wanted to go to the police and to the navy just to try to find some information on how drugs modelers uh, do their stuff. But I find out that actually the police and the Navy are also, that is not so surprising when I say it right now, but I find mm. out that they actually obviously do a lot of stuff. Like in the, their, their daily job, they do a lot of stuff uh, regarding uh, 
uh, innovation uh, in in the one route. So 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 yeah, I started like I'm gonna use police and navy as secondary sources to find out how drug smugglers do their stuff, and I find I found myself actually doing one year and a half of field work with the Colombian police and the <laughs> Colombian Navy uh, because I find uh, I, it, it was really interesting how, how they do and how they think and how they move uh, their, their, the knowledge that they have uh, regarding how... how uh, and also that possibility gave me like to, to understand the phenomena of, of innovations. Uh, as you mentioned, you mentioned users and I thought, well, okay, uh, drugs models are, are the users. They, they produce their technology but they do not produce their technology in, in an empty uh, ecology. They produce their, their technologies because there's something going on. And what is going on is not just the war on drugs, but also like the daily day uh, work that the police and the Navy uh, do. So that, that's what, what I do. So that, then I, um, I spend some time on, on the Pacific region of Colombia, um, on some Navy stations in Colombia. I went a little bit down south of the Pacific to Tumaco to interview people on the field. Like they have been involved in, in capturing uh, narcosops uh, in open sea or just in the shore. I went to Santa Marta and Cartagena also to interview people from the Navy. Uh, and I went to the north of the uh, of Colombia to La Guajira to interview uh, some retired drugs modelers. Fascinating. Um, I, I, I presume that, that that must have given you a few interesting stories. Um, I, I, I also find it very, um, I, I didn't know that, that you started out uh, not wanting to specifically research these, um, these law enforcement actors, but in the end, ending up studying studying both sides of the equation, so to say. Um, and, well, related to that, I guess a key point in your book is that you are, you are sort of skeptical about this, uh, this popular image or this image in the media that um, criminals in a techn technological way are always a step ahead of, of law enforcement. Uh, and I, I, well, I, I do relate this. I do recognize this, this image, for instance, when thinking about technologies like encrypted communication tools or something. Uh, the criminals are always portrayed as really having this, this, this advantage, this step ahead. But you say uh, that it's not this uh, eternal game of catching up that law enforcement is undertaking. Uh, you instead speak of a kind of a, symbiotic relationship in this in this innovation could you maybe tell the listeners what what exactly brought you to this conclusion yeah i think was the, the actually the possibility of um of doing empirical work um with drug smugglers and and a lot of empirical work with the navy and the police like trying to see how actually they they do that and some of the um, which, which was really interesting is that some of the, uh, the the linear kind of evolutionary innovation in in drug smuggling technology or narcosub technology is quite not right because it's uh, when 
when the media and and obviously also like in official documents they tend to portray like doxomoglins moving from from one point to to another and it's like a constant process of innovation but when i went to the field and started like looking at probably 100 ex- exemplaries of narcosops what i actually saw was like okay there's like a, there, there's no like an evolutionary, it's not like to say that the one uh, Narcosop captured this year is better than the one that is was captured last year, because the, there is what you can see there is actually like a different kind of overlaps in the kind of things that they use to produce their technology. Like that, that was like the first insight. So, in the side of the drug smugglers, what is happening is actually not a constant development of a particular technology there is no there is nothing here to to say that rather than the media uh, kind of frenzy around technology and rather obviously than the kind of uh, political interest in the side of the army and the police to portray their enemies as uh, people who is constantly innovating so that was like the kind of first Inside and the second insight was the, obviously the result of working with the navy and the police, like um, looking for example. Uh, sometimes the police demonstrated and, and the navy demonstrated that there were that they were actually the people who were ahead of uh, drug smugglers, and and actually drug smugglers have to somehow reply to the sort of to, to the innovation they perceive the the police and the navy were doing. So, what was actually happening was a combination of different types and different ways of doing things in both sides. Um, and seeing that from from a from a symmetric uh, asymmetric pers- perspective, um, from from the uh, perspective of uh, science and technology studies provides, I could actually see uh, that uh, what I was happening was not this um, constant catch-up, um, um, arms race, um, balloon effect, that, that, that the, the kind of, of metaphors that are used to talk about um, the different kind of movement, movements in the war on drugs. So... Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, I uh, I understand, but um, you you so there's no linear or no constant process of innovation, but you still do speak of some kind of uh, innovation. So, um, well, in the book you show, you speak about pretty much twenty years or so of um of development with these narco submarines, twenty five years. Uh, what developments did you did you see on the criminal side and perhaps on the on the uh, law enforcement side? Yeah, what what was interesting was probably to see how um, uh, the different developments move through time, uh, because they actually yeah they do move through times, but obviously also uh, has that has a lot to do with with the development of um, technologies outside the the, the ecology of the worm rocks, the, the sociotechnical systems. That are in place there. For example, obviously the, the introduction of the GPS, like a really interesting thing. So people started using the GPS. 
both both drugs smugglers and uh, and the Colombian Navy started using uh, GPS systems. So so that was uh, one of the things. But mostly, what you can see is uh, during those 20, 25 years that I studied, are some things that kept constant, and some things change, but they do not change definitely. They can actually just disappear in any moment. And the thing that you saw in the past, like the narco stuff that you saw running in 1997 might appear again in, in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, so because obviously there's like this idea when you see it from, from outside, uh, there's obviously there's going to be, um, uh, a better technology, uh, a, a new technology, uh, and the Navy is going to probably react at this point using the same kind of understanding of the development of, of technology that, that the drugs models are going to use better technology. But sometimes the better technology is not the new technology in the war on drugs. Sometimes the better technology is actually the, the old technology. If you use an Arkansas built on, on, on wood, uh, only it, it will be more difficult for the for the radars and sonars to to actually detect any any trace of that narcosop. So mm-hmm. that's why you can see that the the narcosop that was found in 1997, the model of of of, of building that narcosop, the, the kind of materials that they use can be fine can be found again some years later, even if. Some years later, also you can find some like really sophisticated Microsoft building Kevlar um, using like the latest uh, GPS technology. Um, so you can find actually it's just a mixture of yeah, these different uh, technologies there. Mm, that, that is cool. That, that's uh, that's quite the observation. Um, and, and do you think because? Well, there there are some instances of, of captured narco submarines in Europe. Um, I, I heard some stories around Spain. Um, I guess in other places around the world as well. Uh, and in in my opinion, it seems like a, a very useful useful way to stealthily smuggle all these uh, different illegal goods. I mean, it's smart. It's it's it's, it's small, and and it's, the sea is large. Uh, but your book, um, well, as far as I, I can see, made it um, as quite a specific Colombian or perhaps um, Caribbean or Pacific phenomenon, uh, because dozens or maybe hundreds have been captured during the last decades. Uh, why, why is this so uh, um, so Colombia specific? Well, um, uh when I was uh, researching for my book, I was actually just trying, well, I was trying to finish a PhD, um, first of all. And, and when I was doing this, actually the phenomenon was mostly Colombian, or at least the one that were captured. Um, there, was, there were some odd examples, like probably one in Spain, and and pro and, and one in Ecuador, but there was a Colombian bill. Um, you can see that in the in the, the kind of model that they they captured. So mostly Colombians were involved in developing, building, and using narcosops. 
the other thing that I say in the book, which is basically just um just a kind of observation, and as you said, the 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 idea of the narcosop is is free, pretty pretty much interesting because it's small. Uh, actually, it's slow, um, and the slowness is useful when you try to smuggle drugs um, in the sea because it doesn't leave any kind of wake uh, as the go-fast boats do. So it's more difficult to capture from from air. And and Colombians came from a trend of actually using uh, the maritime routes um, since the early 90s to transport drugs. So what, what I also say there, like, is precisely this this moment in which the maritime interdiction began to be seen as the focus of um, the action uh, when the narcosops appear, uh, and the narcosops appear as a kind of fairly good solution to the idea of, of transporting drugs in the sea. Um, they began to compete with go fast boats and they began to compete with um, cargo containers as the as the main method of transporting drugs um, using um, maritime routes and obviously unfortunately at that moment and it hasn't changed a lot Colombia was producing um, a very important percentage of cocaine um, that was uh, being transported and Obviously, the whole um, situation with different groups trying to get an advantage of the money involved in transporting drugs um, also also um, made this solution kind of uh, a, a really good solution. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Um, and I, I, I found that uh, that a great a great focus of views. Uh, it's great that you mentioned that that it's not just about um, uh, competition or evolution, co-evolution uh, between uh, law enforcement and uh, drug trafficking organizations group, or groups, but also between these drug trafficking organizations. Um, how did you how did you get to this uh, to this realization? Was that through the interviews or, or differently? I I and probably also like really interesting in terms of, of trying to de- developing a new understanding of how uh, criminal organizations, whatever you want to call it, works. Because in the beginning, I was fairly influenced by the whole idea of the cartels. You know, we have this idea of the cartels coming from a long time ago, and and then we have this huge figure of the Medellin cartel and the Cali cartel and the uh, and the whole mythology around Pablo Escobar. So when I was growing up, I was seeing this this kind of understanding of drug trafficking, and obviously the um, law enforcement and the navy and the uh, and the army, uh, the whole government. They want to 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 understand and they want to portray, and they tend to portray uh, drug organizations as, as organized in, in in these big cartels. And then the whole theory says, okay, when they killed Pablo Escobar in 1993, and then when they uh, jailed 
the the bosses of of Cali cartel. Then what began to appear was a, a lot of of baby cartels, um, and baby cartels is a fairly I w- silly way to to name something because <laughs> yeah, the, the cartelitos. Yeah, the cartelitos. The the, the very see. the very same definition of a cartel is that it's big and that it's powerful and that it can control. Um, Production, distribution, selling, security, uh, and so on, so on. So, if you say that something is a baby cartel, actually, you're not saying anything. Um, <laughs> and then, and then you can see that a different, like a theoretical approach, appear in the, in the space. And then we stop talking about baby cartels and cartelitos, and we began uh, talking about networks. Uh, but networks is also a little bit compli- a complicated way to to understand drug smuggling, and especially since most of the theoretical approximations to network analysis, especially in in criminality, implies some sort of rational decision making for those involved in the networks. So networks is not a way to understand. Uh, the technology, the, the, the technologies or the organizations, but networks are a way in which the people involved in drug trafficking are organized. That's obviously according to the, the, the main theoretical approaches. And I found that a little bit difficult to understand when, or, or to try to grasp when I went to do some fieldwork. First of all, because when I went to, to the Pacific and to the Caribbean, what you can find is like very different approaches to the same design, the design of narcosops. So I began asking myself how it is possible if you have uh, these kind of networks, rational networks, or whatever you want to call them, producing so many different um designs uh, with that kind of variation that will imply some sort of coordination probably that will imply some sort of uh, uh, things that I was that, that I wasn't seeing on the field that the people were not uh, telling to me like how do they build this stuff uh, so so I I started to, to doubt on those those approximations yeah that, that, that's, that's interesting. That that um that would also be a a question of mine, uh, because you you say that there are many benefits to this uh, this network approach uh, when it comes to criminal criminal organizations or crime. Um, what 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 would you say? Because I understand your critique. What what would you say that are other helpful models um, when it comes to uh, drug-related networks, um, apart from the, of course, the classical hierarchical pyramids, such as the cartels, uh, and beyond the the network analysis. I think we have to continue understanding or trying to understand networks, but not in a way um, in which are currently understood. Not in a way in which some people decide to organize themselves as networks. <clears throat> Not in a way in which some, um, some nodes in the networks have uh, this kind of power decision-making 
in, in which are currently portrayed and, 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 and you know how uh, then the, the theories of, of interdiction then approach this and that if you capture this particular node, then the network is going to disappear. And I will say and that you have to understand that a network doesn't work in an empty situation. Networks are connected to different um, to different sites. Uh, so a particular criminal network is not alone there doing their stuff um, apart from the rest of society. Actually, they have connections um, with banking, finance, commerce, um, and also um, it is important to, and I think it's the, one of the main arguments of my book, to understand the role of technology in the whole building of the criminal networks. Because technology has been left aside um, of, of this understanding, and I think they play a crucial role. Um, I, I tend to think that without um, the development of these kind of, of technologies, probably the networks, um, well, they obviously have to find another shape um, to, to perform their, their actions, but we would have a pretty different outcome of the war on drugs, uh, at least in the last 20, 15 years. Yeah, makes sense. Definitely makes sense. Um, thanks for the, for the, also the theoretical elaborations. Uh, that's always the hard part when it's uh, about these concrete uh, uh, empirical, uh, empirical phenomena. Um, before, before we end the interview, is there, is there any, any conclusion from the book perhaps that, um, that, that, we are, we have missed so far, or perhaps uh, a juicy a juicy anecdote that you can share. Um, well, oh, I think there are a lot of anecdotes uh, <laughs> when it comes from from these and and from field work. But I I always like to 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 talk about uh, like how how the actually the people from the navy um, do do their work and, and how they also are able to to. To develop their their own technologies. For example, I talk about I talk about the the whole go fast boats that the Navy uses and how they transform the, the boats to try to to catch the drug smugglers, even even if their superiors are are not allowed uh, to. Uh, are, sorry, they do not know that the superiors do not know what the people in the field are doing. Uh, and sometimes that, that get actually uh, reprehended for for changing uh, the votes without asking their superiors. Um, also, I might say that this tr- try to um, like um, when we are understanding the technologies, and this is something that I that I saw. You, you kind of mentioned it at some point. At what we actually see. Are the narcosops that have have been have been captured? Like that, that, that those are the the, the, the kind of uh, artifacts that we actually see the, that I talk about in the book. But there are probably some others out there that we that are so good uh, that we do not uh, we do not see it. Um, we don't we do not find them 
um, like in the news. We probably the Navy does not know a lot about them. Um, so yeah, that's that's a risk when talking about this kind of technology that are in the dark, that are in the in the gray zones. That you are only talking about the kind of specimens, uh, sorry, the artifacts that have been captured. Um, that is something to take to take into consideration. Yeah, that's always the hard part for social scientists studying technol uh, studying cr criminality. There's uh, especially when you depend on police statistics or, or other uh, observations. It's always going to be a uh, only an approximation of, of the actual situation. Yeah. Th thanks for sharing. And, and I, I, yeah, we didn't speak much about that part, but uh, the organization of these law enforcement or uh, law enforcement agencies, uh, you, I guess you suggest that there's a lot of innovation going on, on the operational levels, uh, and th that the strategical levels know much less about that. Uh, that's indeed interesting. Uh, maybe uh, we spoke uh, a little bit before the interview and you told me that uh, actually after completing the study, you sort of moved on beyond narco subs. Uh, could you share with us uh, what you are working on right now? Well, I'm, I'm uh, working with a colleague in the University of Edinburgh and trying to develop a, like a new understanding of the kind of, on the whole theoretical approximation on, on, on the technological um, technology in the, in the war on drugs. We are working specifically trying to understand the, the infrastructure and how the whole infrastructure um, of drug smuggling is possible and how this infrastructure is embedded in, in the bigger infrastructure of, of global commerce. Mm -hmm. So we are trying to understand the role of airports uh, in, in the drugs modeling process. There, there have been actually um, a lot of um, academic studies on, on airports, um, especially in drugs modeling in, in Europe. But we are not trying to understand like a specific technologies. We're trying to understand the, the more uh, theoretical uh, approximation um, on on how these infrastructures are embedded um, and how do they work and how do they manage to appear, disappear, um, and, and so on. The, that's that's great. It's good to hear that there's so much um, depth behind these these sensational phenomena. So. Thanks for sharing that and it uh, gives us something to look forward to. Javier, thanks so much for your time. And uh, once again, Narco Submarines, Outlaw Innovation and Maritime Interdiction in the War on Drugs was the study. Um, and we're looking forward to future projects. Um, speak to you next time, uh, Javier. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Javier. Bye-bye.